going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of uh, come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray uh, that it would come alive. Uh, the Holy Spirit would touch our hearts. Lord, fill me with the unction. And Lord, I, I pray that this wouldn't just be something we learn to stick in our brain, but Lord, help us to apply it to our life. Lord, if there's any lost, I pray that they'd come to know you as their Savior. Lord, that they would call on the one mediator. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. So the first chapter of 1 Timothy, uh, you know, he, Paul opens it up and then he gives Timothy a warning against false teachers. Uh, and then he reminds uh, him that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. But the very end of chapter 1, you see in the last two verses, uh, you see a problem there. You see these two individuals, uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, have put away uh, concerning the faith. They have put away the faith that they had in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in verse 19 that that faith they made into a shipwreck. Uh, so that is an issue. That's a problem. You know, that, uh, that is not something that the, uh, the gospel was designed to do. It is not designed to have Jesus in your heart and then later on push Jesus away and go after something else. That's not what uh, God intended. But unfortunately for these two, and I believe so many others throughout the years, they've done that. They've started out with Jesus uh, and then they turned to something else, uh, put their faith in something else. Uh, but aren't you glad uh, that even in the midst of this, here's Paul, uh, you know, kind of the spiritual father of Timothy. Timothy's about 35. Paul's about 65 at this point. Uh, and he is writing to him to encourage him. And you think about, there's Timothy at Ephesus. He's a young pastor. Uh, what is this apostle going to say to a young pastor? What's going to help him out? You know, he's already warned him of false teachers. He's already warned and, and pointed out the two that have walked away from the, their faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what does he want him to do? Look at verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. What do true Christians need to do? What do those that are saved by Jesus Christ need to do in the midst of false teachers? They had false teachers then. There's false teachers now. And until the Lord comes back, there's going to be false teachers. They're not going away. Uh, they'll change. They'll add new ones. They'll, they'll do different things. But what do we do when there are so many putting off the faith uh, because uh, you know they're just tired of it? They don't want the religion of their parents. They don't want any of these things. What are we to do? 
in the church today, the true Christians today. Uh, we are, to, I'll tell you what the devil wants. He wants us to give up, right? He wants us to give in. He wants us to give up. He wants us to quit. Uh, what's the use of doing this? I'll tell you what, I got hit with the, uh, not with the quits this morning, but with the why are you even doing it this morning? So, uh, I don't know if that's hit you before. Maybe you're getting ready for Sunday school or different things like that. You're wondering why, why even put the effort in? You know, that's the devil trying to do that, trying to convince us. Uh, Ross is up here telling us about there's a kingdom that we're doing this for. Uh, David, what did he say there in front of Goliath? There's a cause. Is there not a cause that we have here today? I'm telling you, there is a cause, and it's Jesus Christ. But what's he saying? Uh, when the devil wants us to give up, when everything, uh, when it doesn't feel right, when you're stressed about different things, what are we to do? We are to turn to prayer. And he points out four different things in prayer. Number one, he says supplications. These are the re requests that me, we make to God. These are the things that we ask for. And I'll be honest with you. When I see supplications and what we need to pray about, sometimes I'm asking the Holy Spirit, why do you even put it in here? Because you know we're going to do it, right? You know we're going to ask for things because I, I don't know about you, I've been caught uh, in prayer where all I'm doing is asking for things. Has that happened to you where I, here's my laundry list to God. Uh, once I make it through, I amen and then we're done. But then I remembered, why is it here? Because... Oftentimes when we're praying for things, what's, what's the most common? I look back, I try to write down all the prayer requests that we have, and I look back uh, over the last couple weeks uh, just to make sure I wasn't just making this up in my head. But what do you think the most common thing that we pray for? It's sickness. It's healing. It's cancer. It's all these things. It's physical health. What are we often asking God for? To touch them. But guess what? That's not promised in the Bible. It's not a guaranteed thing. And sometimes if we pray for all kinds of people that are sick and they don't get healed and pray for different people with cancer and they don't, get, they don't all get healed. Now, we've seen people cured of these things. We've seen it, but when it doesn't always happen, I think sometimes it makes us think that prayer uh, isn't as useful as we think it is, right? But then we have to remind ourselves, uh, uh, what about the other things other than physical healing? And I, I, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for them. I'm just saying that's not the only thing we should be praying for. James 4, 2, and 3, ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So that first verse, he's saying, hey, the reason you don't have things is you're not even asking for it. You know what? We turn to God for the physical healing, but are we turning to God to the things that he's promised? Peace in our heart, right? For a Christian person, peace of mind. He's promised these things. Are we turning to him for that? Are we turning to him for wisdom? I don't, uh, if there's one thing God says over and over again he wants to give to us, it is wisdom. He says he, he is not going to hold back from that. We need to ask for it and he'll give it to us. And other things like that. Are we really asking for God what we need? Sometimes that's where I found myself falling short, right? Because he, he says, ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight in war. He's saying all these different ways of you trying to get things yourself instead of asking me. God wants us to ask for things. All of these things. 
But are we praying for the things that we need? Right? Are we actually asking God for the things that we need each day? That's what we need. First supplications, then intercessions. These are when we pray on behalf of somebody else. Right? And sometimes we can pray for others only and not pray for our own needs. And then we can be real selfish sometimes and only pray for ourselves and not pray for others. We need to have both. We need to call out to the Lord for others. Uh, and, and here's what he's saying. Uh, let's look at that verse again. What, what's he say here? He says, exhorting their first, first of all, uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for our friends, family, and people we like at work. Ooh, doesn't say that. It says all men, right? So when we're interceding, all men is part of interceding. That means that sometimes we got to pray for people we don't like. Sometimes we got to pray for people that uh, try our patience, that are joy suckers and everything else. We got to pray for the people that are, are hard to get along with. And I'm telling you what, the more you pray for them, sometimes it's easy. It becomes a little easier to get along with them because Lord, uh, 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 Lord, help them. Lord, they, they, they need you. They're fighting against me because it's a spiritual issue and they're taking it out with us and say, Lord, touch their heart. Touch their heart. Amen. We need to intercede for all men. Not just pray for ourselves, but pray for others. I, th I believe some at this church we do a real good job of praying for others. We need to continue looking at one another. Because I'll tell you one thing. Everyone's going through different things, right? Everyone has challenges. Everyone has problems. And, and I don't always freely share it with everybody. You would pray for me if I told you. I believe you would. You'd pray for me if I gave you a need. I'm not always giving you my needs. Amen. Sometimes we just need to pray for each other because we just know that each other has needs. And then he says prayers. Do you, do you notice that? He's saying supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Well, if he's talking about prayer and he's saying prayer in prayer, what's he mean? I believe he's talking about just talking to God. Yeah. Just talking to him. This is a relationship that we have with the Lord. It's a relationship just pouring out our, our heart and our mind to him, telling him what uh, a lot of us have, friends, family members, uh, a significant other, where we will share our problems, we'll share our plans, we'll share different things uh, that we might not share with other people. Listen, God's not the one. He shouldn't be outside the inner circle. He should be the circle, right? He should be the one we tell first that we share our heart with. And I struggle with that too sometimes, forgetting that I, I just need to talk with God. Yeah, I'm interceding for others. Yeah, from time to time praying for what I need, but usually I'm trying to help God. Uh, but then what about just talking to God? Yeah. Sometimes that's what helps me out the most is I just uh, give it to God, right? I just share it to him and just lay my burdens on him. When's the last time we've really done that? Poured out our heart to God. And then the fourth thing that's listed, the giving of thanks. I like to start with this when I pray. Because if you if we're honest with ourselves, the only reason we are here today, the only reason we're in the shape that we're in, the only reason we have any blessings is because of God. Amen. Amen. That is why we're here today. Without the grace of God, just look at my life. I'll tell you where I would probably be. Because uh, many of you know I went to law school, so there's a lot of people I went to law school with. 
And some of them I still see where they're at now. It's been 11, 11 years now since I, we graduated, and I've seen where they've come in those 11 years. And, and if I put myself in that same group, because that's where I would be without Jesus Christ. I'd be in the same group chasing after success. You know where I would be today? Like a lot of them, sure, I'd have a successful career. Might, you might see me in commercials or something like that. You might see my billboard downtown Columbus. But you know what else I'd be? An alcoholic. You know what else I'd be? On my second marriage. Because that's the ones that are around me, that, that were around me at that time. They're, that's where they're at today, right? Because they're not doing things for the Lord. They're, they're not even concerned about the Lord. They just want to build a success and everything else. And I'll tell you what, the, the devil's trying to convince you and trying to convince me that's the life that he wants you to have. And I stop and say, thank you, Lord, that I didn't go down that path. And it's not because of me. It's because he had a plan for my life. He had, a, he had a will for my life. He saved my soul. And I'm not chasing after the things that this world is chasing after. And I can stop and tell you, this life is a thousand times better than that life would be. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'd have more in the bank account. But I've got a wife that loves me that serves the Lord alongside of me. I've got a family. We're not splitting uh, uh, households and different things. I'm not turning to the bottle whatever I, I need help I'm turning to the Lord yeah. it's way better Amen. and we can give thanks for that yes. Lord you kept me from those things because that's where I would be today and you can just go on and on and I've told you before some of the darkest times that I've been in in my life the way I've gotten out of it is I just start thanking God for things and it's not long before things are turning around Oh, the trial's still there, right? But I start thanking God and things are changing. We need to thank God every time we yeah. pray. Every time. And then look what he goes on and talks about in verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. You know, as Christians, we are to spread the gospel through this world. It's throughout the Bible. That's what we're to do. But now God is talking about our relationship with the government, and it may surprise people what he's telling us to do. Lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. He's not saying to revolt, to disrupt, to rebel, or anything else. But do you know what he is telling us, what the Bible's saying for a Christian, a true Christian that follows the Bible, what he wants our relationship to the government to be? He wants it to be so the government leaves us alone and we can worship God and do what God's called us to do, right? You know what a perfect example of this is? It's what's been going on. It's life-wise is a great example. We are not asking the government, the public school, to teach our kids about the Lord, to teach them about the Bible. That's not what we're doing. Some would want that. Why don't you force it in the school and make the teacher teach them the Bible? That's not what God wants. You know what God wants? The hands off. So that the school district's not saying, no, you can't do it. Some are still doing that. But that they let them go and the church can teach uh, the lost and teach uh, other kids about the Bible and who Jesus is, that's quiet and peaceable life. Amen. 
I'm here to tell you, I don't want the government leading the church. It doesn't go well. You think it works? Go over to Europe and see how it works. It doesn't. I would rather the church to be led by Jesus Christ Amen. and the government keeps the hands off. Amen. That's what we're to be praying for. But we got to pray for all that are in authority, whether we voted for them or not, whether they're on the right party or not, or anything else. And I'll tell you another thing. We live in the United States. We have a, as a citizen, we have a special privilege to vote, and we need to. And how do we know who to vote for? Two things. I'll give it to you real quick. Does it help us to live a quiet and peaceable life? And what's the other part? In all godliness and honesty. Right? If it's an issue, is it pointing towards godliness? Or is it away from godliness? That's how we should vote. And here's the thing. Whether the law passes or not. Whether the issue goes the way we do or not. Whether the candidate does or not. What are we still going to do? Try to live a quiet, peaceable life, do what God's called us to do, and that's it. That's it. I know that shocks some people, but that's just what the Bible says, and I like it, right? Amen. <laughs> Maybe you want the government telling you everything <laughs> you want to do, but I do not. And I don't want them to run anything. They don't run anything well. If you've ever dug into it, they do nothing efficiently or well, but anyway, we'll get off on that. I could go for all day on that. Uh, so anyway, so that's God's desire for Christians. Verse 4 and on, he starts talking about the lost. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You know, there are groups of Christians today that believe that a certain group of people will be saved and that's it. They'll call them the elect. They'll say when the Bible talks about the elect, that is where God has chosen at the beginning of time. These people are going to be saved uh, and, and they have no choice in the matter. They will just be saved because God pretty much forces them to be saved. The grace is irresistible. They're just going to be saved. But then here's the problem. If, if God says only a certain group are going to be saved, who did Jesus die for? Right? right. He, did he die only for the certain group? Or did he die for everybody? Because if he died for everybody, that makes no sense. That the elect is only a certain group that have no choice and everything else. What does the verse say? Yeah, and that's the thing. And you can ask my opinion, and it might be worth a little bit. I can ask your opinion. We can go to the booksellers. We can go online and Google it. We can do all these things. We can go to different churches and get different answers. But you know what the answer I want? I want to know what the Bible supports. I could care less what the catechism says. I could care less what a council says. What does the Bible say? Yeah. Right? And what does it say? Who would have some men to be saved? The elect to be saved? No, it says who would have all men to be saved. We don't always know the will of God, right? There are things we have no idea why God is doing things a certain way. But if, we, if God has revealed his will through the Bible, we can be certain that this is true. God wants everybody to be saved. And this isn't the only verse. He's saying God our Savior will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Is that anywhere else? Sure it is. Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You want to know who Jesus died for? Everyone. Everybody. Every single sin that's ever been committed and ever will be committed by every lost person to ever live in this earth, Jesus died for all. And it makes sense because if he wants everybody to be saved, he has to die for everybody. And that's what he did. And that's what the Bible supports. First Timothy 4.10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. The beginning of that verse, it says, hey, you live a godly Christian life. You're going to have people going against you. Amen. We can say amen right there. Right. We've seen that. We've suffered reproach. What's that mean? We've seen the world make fun of us. Right. We've seen them make fun of us for praying. They they make fun of it. Why are you wasting your day coming in here uh, to worship the Lord? Why are you doing this? You're you're too uh, you're too involved with this church. You need to spend more time on yourself, you know, and everything else. Why do you believe this book of fairy tales? I'm here to tell you if you're suffering reproach, it's because so did Jesus and we're just following him. His example. The world hated him and it'll hate us also. But here it is again. The living God who is the Savior. And in that verse, a few pages over from our passage, 1 Timothy 4.10, Savior is capitalized. Jesus is the Savior of all men. Right? All men. That's what it says. He died for all. Right? We don't need an American Jesus and a European Jesus. Right? And an African-American Jesus, we've got one Jesus that died for everybody. Yeah. Amen? Died for all. Every man, no matter what. He died for all nations, races, cultures, everyone that will just admit they're a sinner and trust in him for salvation and call on his name. But the verse continues, because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. You know why that part's there at the end? Jesus died for all the sins of the world. He died for all men. His blood was shed to atone for all. But what's the problem? That must mean everyone's saved, right? No. He says, especially to those that believe. Here's the problem. Men can reject Jesus Christ. And they do. Day after day. They can reject it. All this free gift, everything that God's done, all that Jesus did on the cross, the greatest gift that's ever been given for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no greater gift. There's no greater love. There's no greater sacrifice than what Jesus Christ has done. But that atonement, that blood that was shed, all of these things are worthless if men don't believe in Jesus Christ. It's hard to believe that people are offered a complete new life in Jesus Christ. If you asked people, what would you give to have a brand new start? Some of them would give countless amounts of money. Because they've done things they wish they wouldn't have. And Jesus is offering to give a new start. What would you offer to have the Holy Spirit? How much? Right? 
I can't remember who it was, but he wanted it so he could, uh, uh, he wanted the power to give people the Holy Spirit so he could make a buck off of it. Because he knew people would pay for that. How much would people pay for eternal life? To live forever. I'll tell you what. Look at all the medical advances and different things. People are trying to live as long as they can. They're expensive. They will put countless amounts of money down. Yet Jesus is offering it for free. Right? For free. It costs him dearly, but it's free. What's the problem with men? I'll wait for a more convenient season. A later time. I just got to do this first. This excuse, that excuse. And go against God's will to save them. Remember, he, his will is to save all men. And he made a way for all men to be saved. Amen. But you got to believe. Yes. That's the problem. His desire is for men to be saved. That's why. And here's the thing. Because we're not in the camp that believes that the Bible supports only a certain group. Because in all reality, if you only believed a certain group was going to be saved from the beginning and there was nothing they could do or nothing anyone could do to change that, why would we witness? Right? right? right. Why would we really share the gospel? Why would we put much effort into that? Because I'd have to go to the person and say, well, I don't know if you're elect or not. I'll tell you this, but if you're not, it's worthless. No. He died for all men. His desire is for all to be saved. That's why it's our job to take it to all men as well. Same thing. Aren't you glad? He's willing to save. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the thing. If you've never called on Jesus' name for forgiveness of sins, that's the only prayer he will hear. That's it. He's not listening to your intercessions or anything else. He wants to hear that you will admit you're a sinner and that you will trust him and you believe in his death and resurrection from the cross. And you're calling on his name. So if you're lost in your sins, you need to pray, right? If you're a Christian, you need to pray. That's what he's saying in this passage. Every, all of us need to pray. And I believe a lot of times our prayer life is tied to whether we're how closely we're doing God's will. I don't believe that we will be any closer to God in faith and everything else than we are with prayer. So are we trusting the Lord? Because we can only do that through prayer. Are you seeking to live a quiet and peaceable life as a servant of the Lord? Are you witnessing Jesus or are you going after something else? Are we praying only for those that we love and care about? Are we praying for all leadership, our government, and everything else? And here's the thing. This church, we've got big plans, don't we? We want to do big things for the Lord. It's not going to happen unless we pray. Amen. And pray for real. Yeah. And, and, and really trust God and say, Lord, if you don't answer these things, this is not going to happen. Instead of saying, we'll take care of things ourselves. I don't know about you. I believe time is drawing short. Yeah. I, believe our, our, I, I believe that the Lord uh, coming to get his church is soon. Amen. But what are we going to do with this short time? Are we going to trust God? Yeah. Are we going to do what he's called us to do? He died for us. We belong to him. What are we going to do with our time left? I think it's clear we need to pray. Right? We need to pray. What's he saying? 
What needs do you have? We need to ask him for those things. What is hindering you from serving him? Take it to him in prayer. What are you, what is really holding you back? Is there a, a, maybe a sin you're dealing with as a Christian that you're having trouble shaking? Take it to him, right? Yeah. If, there, if your mind doesn't have peace, are you laying your burdens at his feet? Are you just pouring out your heart to him and trusting in him and getting in the Bible and seeing where peace is promised? Peace of mind is. Intercession, are we praying for one another? And then finally, are we giving thanks? Because we have so much to be thankful for. Amen. Amen. He's a wonderful God. He's a merciful Savior. He's done so much for us. And what's he saying? Timothy, you're young. You're facing false teachers. You got people walking away from the faith. What are we facing today? False teachers. People want to walk away, de what do they call it today, deconstruct their faith, walking away from Jesus and replacing it with something else, whatever you call it, it's the same thing. How do we keep ourselves where we need to be? Two things, it's prayer and God's word and helping one another. That's three, gave you extra credit, right? We can do this. I know the devil wants us to, uh, to think that it's all in vain, but it's not. He's a liar. And I guarantee you, when we see Jesus, we'll instantly think, my goodness, I could have done more. I'm doing it for him. Don't let regret pile up. And if you've wasted a lot of time, you know what the great thing about Jesus is? He will give you a new start today. He doesn't care how much time you've wasted. He wants you. I'm going to ask you.